Welcome, true believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here's a guy who's been podcasting with me for six months in a row. <laughs> My patient friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? <laughs> I'm thrilled to be here. Six months is quite a milestone. I, I remember when I was like, James B., I want to be on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been quite a run. Hey, you know, we've done 61 episodes Oof. in six months. We are averaging two a week. And it's reflected on Feedspot, who has recently named us. Hope you're, hope you're seated, Eddie. Feedspot has named us the fifth <laughs> the fifth best. Spider-Man specific podcast you can listen to on Tuesdays. Get out the fans. Calm me down. Too exciting. (laughs) Too much excitement, James B. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's good. It's good. We're we're in in good company. I, 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 all the podcasts above us are well-deserving. So I'm fine with that. All right. Um, so Hey, let's do a let's do the show. No more patting ourselves on the back here, <laughs> Eddie. We're gonna do today, uh, Amazing Spider-Man uh, ninety four ninety five, and after that, since it's our uh, special six month anniversary, we're gonna do something we haven't done before. We're gonna do our first what if issue, and we'll explain what that is when it happens. But without further ado, why don't you take us into issue ninety four? All right, on wings of death. Peter is still torn up about Gwen leaving to live in London. We get a complete recap of Spider-Man's origin story while the milksop walks the streets. He has a rude exchange with Betty, and we return to his origin story. Across town, we see the Beatle breaking into random mom-and-pop stores. Eventually, the Beatle finds the one he wants adjacent to a bank vault and takes Aunt May hostage during the robbery. It's public knowledge that the Beatle is on the loose in Aunt May's neighborhood, and she leaves her house... To go get some milk for Peter? Is this okay, James B? Well, I, one thing I want to mention is you mentioned that you said uh, in your description that while the milksop walks the streets. Do yes. you know what milksop means? I don't, actually. I forgot to look it up. Can you yeah. enlighten me? Yeah, it has to do with courage, someone who lacks courage. Oh. So I'm not sure if... Cowardly lion, huh? But since we're talking right. about milk... Yes, a cowardly lion. Since we're talking about milk, um, you know, there's a there's a scene in this book that shows a map of where the Beatles been breaking into lately. Okay. Um, I'm going to turn my pages, which makes great podcasting. It's uh, <laughs> all this we've learned in six months, everyone. It's on page 13. Okay. And actually, I'll, I'll interrupt you to tell us something about page 13. I'm going to, we've learned a lot of things. The reason there's no page 12, Eddie, in our epic collection, I went yeah. and got a copy of uh, the terrible issue 91, which I did have in the house. Whew. And okay. page 12 and 13 in the actual comic from the 1970s has a half page comic at the top and advertising at the bottom. Huh. So what Epic Collection did is it put them together and just said we're not gonna we're just gonna skip a page. They just dropped page twelve and called it thirteen. That's why it's like that. Oh, interesting. But on page thirteen in the Epic Collection, which is also page thirteen in the actual book, 
the scene says, why would he waste time breaking into a laundry, a bike shop, and a bakery and not even take anything? And there's a drawing that says, Beetle attacks numbered in order. And it shows that he's attacking all the places around a bank. And the next one scheduled in the order of the, you know, like if he gave this to a third grader and said, which building would be attacked next in the order? It would be grocery. Yeah, that's not... Recently attacked... He attacked the candy shop recently. You see why it's a bad choice too, Eddie? It's, it's kitty corner. It's kitty it's corner. Not, there's no, there's no wall, uh, just abutting the bank wall for, in the candy store. Right, and then yeah, this is not a, not an SAT question, is it, James? Uh, well, <laughs> kind of would be. It looks like he's going to be attacking grocery next, according to this thing. I'm sorry, this is a lot of time for an issue that's really not worth this much time. Why don't you just go ahead and wrap it up? Ah, uh, okay. Highly distressed, the Spidey swings into action, saving Aunt May and nearly drowning the beetle. A flustered Aunt May has no recollection of her webhead hero, and she walks home with her loving nephew. Yeah, you can just go ahead and do the next issue. I'm, I'm all set with 94. Nothing else to say. How about you? Amazing Spider-Man <laughs> 95. Spidey fights in London. Having recently saved Aunt May from grave danger... Peter returns to staring at the ground while walking about, thinking about Gwen in London. In a rare stroke of luck, Robbie decides to send him to London on the Daily Bugle's dime. That's really nice. It seems Joe Robbie is a, he's a hero again. Eddie, can you think of um, any other times Joe Robbie was sort of a hero to Peter Parker or Spider-Man? I, I looked this up because he's starting to be... Well, I think he definitely is Spider-Man slash Peter Parker's number one helper in any and all situations. Uh, if you recall, he got a Peter got a real payday when J. Jonah was in the hospital from Joe Robbie, which I thought was fantastic. And then Joe Robbie runs an article to lure the chameleon into a banker's meeting so that Spidey can catch the chameleon, which, thank you, Joe Robbie. Super helpful. Still got audio proof that when Joe Robbie first appears and I'm telling you, hey, this is Joe Robbie. And you're like, whatever, <laughs> whatever. I'll... That was a long time ago. Very excited that I could capture that all in audio. <laughs> I can't wait to hear it again sometime, JSB. Uh, well, Peter gets on the plane and meets his son and his diplomat father. While landing in London, it is discovered that the plane contains a terrorist bomb and relying on the ill-informed terrorists, he managed to save the day. The terrorists take the father and son hostage and escape after Spidey tags the car with a tracker. Uh, this is kind of a political scene, actually, for this time. How is it a political scene, you think? So I I was like, terrorist London bomb. Like, what's... Uh, this seems a little out of place for me. But then I thought about it. Like, at this time, the Irish Republican Army has kind of broken away from Ireland, uh, the normal provisional army, and tensions are really high with a lot of bombings um, from the IRA in Ireland. So this is like a very real situation. I suspect these terrorists are Irish IRA members, you know, making a political statement. It seemed a little odd and far-fetched. I, I wouldn't say it actually was. There were a lot of bombings uh, in London around this era. Do you think that uh, Stan Lee is saying... Hey, I'm going to put him in London just to bring this attention to what's going on out there or do you think I mean cuz he's got no other reason to go to London, does he? It's it it's an interesting thought, particularly since he gave so much credence to the Nixonish uh bullet 
from previous episodes and his racism towards Joe Robbie, it's possible Stanley's a pretty hip guy. The only thing I got to say is his, like, Englishman talking is not so hot in this uh, issue. All right. Well, go ahead and... Is this over yet? <laughs> is there anything else that happens? <laughs> not quite. <laughs> Spidey swings around town sightseeing and looks for Gwen and the terrorists. Unfortunately, Gwen sees him and faints. Spidey finds the terrorist car and with a mild threat figures out that the hostages are being held in Big Ben. He stops the ticking tower and saves the hostages, but realizes Gwen will know he's Spider-Man if she learns Peter is also in London. Gwen's uncle thinks Spidey a decent fellow, and Gwen cries missing Peter as he flies back to NYC without the encounter he was looking for. If ever there was a time... Peter should take a break from being Spider-Man. This is it, right? Why, Peter? Wait, you want him to, like, stop being Spider-Man for what reason? Stop being stop being Spider-Man and go see Gwen. Like, it's his big chance to reunite, but he's got to, like... But she'll know he's Spider-Man. That's what I'm saying. Like, if Spider-Man never appeared in London, she wouldn't know that. In have, fact, it would, like... He didn't have a choice. Really they were going to kill the, whatever, the delegate. And I, can you explain it? All right, so they they tie up the delegate and his kid to the bell in Big Ben, <laughs> which apparently has four sides because it's a big clock. Right. Yeah. And if any of the sides strike seven o'clock, it's going to blow up, right? Uh, yes, that's what it appears. So Spider Man has to stop the clock on all four sides. I I don't know the inner workings of Big Ben. I do know it's balanced very carefully, actually, with, like, pence or pennies, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> so I, I I can only assume the bomb is some sort of, like, sound. You know, when it hears a sound, it wasn't connected to the mechanisms of Big Ben. Okay. And that's what worked. All right. No. This issue was <laughs> this issue was fine. I On page 10, the guy... The guy on page 10 has a word that I was having a hard time pronouncing. It says, Sir, I studied the Spider-Man file quite recently. I remember noting that he is a fugitive, wanted by the New York... What's that last word, Eddie? Constablary. Constablary. I don't think I can say this word. Constablary. I know it means like the police station. Yeah, it's it's... It's similar to the word constables, but yes. he's constabulary. By the New York constabulary. I think that, yeah, you did a better job. <laughs> you did a better job than me. Well, it's, you know, it's really your area of expertise. I got lucky that one. <laughs> that hung me up the whole time. Hey, you know, we just did these two books, and, uh, you know, we're having a little bit of fun here because they're not the best issues. I mean, they're better than issue 91 but uh what really happened in these two books eddie what's do like a quick summary and then we can jump on to something different well i mean i think i think it was important to see a recap of spidey's origin story for everybody in 95 uh we didn't really get much else out of that other than peter gets nervous about aunt and may. aunt may aunt may goes and out then, to get milk in the middle of a, yeah like, incredibly daring crime it's milk milk's it's important to get your milk i mean it's you know it should be framed as she's super worried about peter but come on aunt may uh and then in 96 sorry 95 it attempts to move 
the Peter Gwen story forward, but we don't get any forward movement. They just stay where they are. Right. There's nothing but the fact that he goes to London. Yeah. I mean, it is another great time to see Joe Robbie be super helpful, which he has been super helpful. Hey, our, our podcast is international. Our guests are international. So it's time for Spider-Man to go international too, right? <laughs> there we go. So, hey, let's do a sponsor. Then we can come back and do something we haven't done before. Great. I'm ready. All right, Eddie. Uh, today's sponsor uh, for Let's Read Spider-Man podcast is uh, is Milk. Uh, milk is good for growing boys. Eddie, there's no bad time to get milk. Don't be stopped by a snowstorm if you need milk or a hurricane. There's criminals at large in your neighborhood, an earthquake, uh, forest fires, American delegates being kidnapped by gangsters. You know, a real fan of milk could get some anytime. Hey, look, even if Doc Ock was knocking on a chimney in front of him, nothing should stop you from getting milk. Look, if a 69-year-old lady can get milk anytime she wants, because she's not afraid, you know, you need to get some courage. Don't be a milk sop. Get out there and buy more milk. Eddie, is there any reason you can think of that would stop you from buying milk? You know, James B., you nailed it today. This this milk um, and a, being a Michigan, Michigander again uh, is at every meal, I would say, in Michigan. So... There's just nothing bad I have to say about sponsor, our sponsor Melts Day. I'm thrilled that we have to sponsor. Yeah, you would you would go out anytime to get milk. If there's danger, you're like for milk. I don't care. I, I many times it's you know it's a staple of my household. So great. Um, even in a dangerous situation, I might run the risk. Well, it's a nice surprise uh, that you <laughs> agree to the sponsor. It's sort of like a the, the backwards bizarro alternate reality world. And speaking of the backwards, bizarro, alternate reality worlds, um, Eddie, I know you don't have... Actually, do you have Disney Plus? You do, right? I did for a while. I, my in-laws have it, so we'll go watch it there. Okay. So Disney Plus has a an animated series called What If? And that is based on the comic of the same title, which I think originated... Um, gosh, it was in the 70s. I'm thinking probably 76, 77. I know the first issue happened to be what if Spider-Man had joined the Fantastic Four, which is a retelling of Amazing Spider-Man 1, which you know we covered back in our yeah. second podcast. So today I chose one of those. And the one I chose was what if volume one, issue seven. And it is a three-part book written in February of 1978. Um, it's by Don Glutt, who I do not know, drawn by Rick Hoberg, if I'm saying it correctly. Also, I don't know, but it's under the editorial of Roy Thomas, who's sort of a more well-known um, editor in the Marvel Times. I'm sure he did something really amazing, and someone like Travis Bowe could tell me what his impact was to Marvel. Uh, but to me, he was the guy who uh, was the editor during this comic. And this comic is called... What if someone besides Spider-Man had been bitten by the radioactive spider? And if you allow me, I have uh, three different stories with three different people that got bitten, and uh, we can talk about it. Are you ready to uh, All right. sit back and listen and chime in? Yeah, very appropriate since we just got Spidey's origin story recently. Yeah, take it away, James B. All right. Flash decides to attend the science exhibit, and he is bitten by the spider. So... Peter sees the radioactive spider. He takes it along, hoping to study it for science, which will happen in all these stories, by the way. Uh, similar to the original story, when a car almost hits uh, Peter, um, 
Peter jumps on the side of a building, but this time Flash is with some young ladies. He pushes them aside, and then he, like, shoves the car. He gives the excuse to the girls that he's normally strong anyway, and adrenaline can make him stronger. Did you have any thoughts about Flash pushing the car and threatening the driver? Uh, very Flash-like. Uh, yeah, I can see. I, it's kind of a dumb scene, but yes, very Flash-like. All right, well, Flash then sees the Crusher Hogan $100 offer, decides to get involved in this. Accidentally, though, he kills Crusher Hogan. Uh, fleeing from the police, he decides he'll make up for his you know, accidental murder or his accidental manslaughter by being a hero like he was on the gridiron. He finds a costume and Captain Spider is born. Uh, Eddie, it was quite a shock to me, having never read this, that Crusher Hogan dies. And then immediately Flash's decision is, I'll become a superhero. What do you think? Yeah, considering how few people die in Spider-Man in general, this is quite shocking. And it also reveals how much Spider-Man pulls his punches when he fights anybody. Because, I mean, Crusher Hogan is a big, very powerful person, I would suspect, equivalent to Kingpin, or close at least. And uh, he kills Crusher Hogan fairly easily, in my opinion. Uh, it's a It's a dark twist for Spider-Man, but fascinating nonetheless. Well, it ends with Flash defeating a series of the same early villains that Peter had faced as Spider-Man. He fights the Chameleon and the Tinkerer. They're sort of like montaging some people. But then he fights the Vulture. And while he's fighting him, he he falls, but he has no web devices to save him. Uh, So he he dies. And uh, Peter Parker finds his broken body. And the the issue just sort of ends there. So um, overall, what did you think of Flash Thompson as Captain Spider? I mean, I've said it before, um, Peter Parker's greatest, I should say Spider-Man and Peter Parker's greatest strength is the incredible mind that Peter has. Uh, Without that mind, Flash wasn't able to make web shooters, and that kind of alludes to why he died in this situation. Uh, I I think they could have killed Flash in a much more hot-headed, ding-dong way. (laughs) Like where the Vulture might have flared him up and like got him to fall into a trap uh, would have been more appropriate for me he, he's just we got to remember flash is not he's not particularly bright and he's a hothead too hey that's uh Peter is kinda that's awesome. that's flash thompson war hero and uh spider-man's number one fan you're talking about <laughs> it's true there's a second story this time it focuses on betty brant she's present at the demonstration and one surprise is bitten by the spider Peter discovers a spider and takes it into his possession. As Peter and Betty form a relationship in the story, we learn that Betty doesn't like working for J. Jonah Jameson and she has a little money. Uh, After accidentally smashing a table, they both realize she has her spider powers and Peter aids her in becoming a heroine, designing a costume and building her web shooters. The two decide to be careful not to kill anyone while also hoping to take photos to earn some cash. This is a very different start than the previous story. It it certainly is. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot different from this, the Flash one, and the one we'll see kind of after this. Um, I really, actually, I like Betty becoming Spider-Man. I think she's a great character to see in this situation. It's really irritating how Peter's kind of her handler. I mean, we do get Peter's mind to a certain extent because he designs the web shooters, but then you know it's like. Just let cut Betty loose and let her do her thing. Betty fights crime, but she continually refuses to use her spider strength in battle. 
similar to the original story, a criminal is escaping with the payroll while Spider-Girl uh, is out of web fluid. She refuses to use her strength to stop him because she's afraid. And she later finds out that this person she has let escape kills Ben Parker. Once again, at the old Acme warehouse, she punches the criminal in a rage. The blow proves to be nearly fatal. She's unable to cope with the fact that she nearly took someone's life. So she gives up on the life of a crime fighter and goes back to living an ordinary life. Her costume is in a trash can alley, very reminiscent as an homage to Amazing Spider-Man 50, Spider-Man No More. And I just want to say the costume that she's wearing, because I don't think a lot of our listeners are going to check this out. She has <laughs> Spider-Man gloves. She has Spider-Man-like socks. And she has the mask. Um, she has, like, webbing under her arms. But you can see she has bare arms. She has bare legs. <laughs> it's kind of like she's wearing a one-piece blue bikini with Spider-Man gloves, Spider-Man shoes, and a Spider-Man mask. It's kind of disturbing to me. <laughs> it's atrocious. <laughs> For so many reasons. I mean, she does say this. This there's a funny line in here where she goes, um, as she's designing the um, the costume, she goes, "Imagine Peter coming up with a name like Spider Lady. You'd think I was middle aged or something." <laughs> so that's why you know she she wants to make sure that she appears young, and she goes for a very risque costume. <laughs> but it is it is terrible. Yeah, it's. It's not good. It's a terrible and, costume. And the only thing that makes it worse, it also has the uh, the Spider-Man-like eyes that you can see. Um, <laughs> the, you know, when, when she, like, is looking and she is shocked that she can yes. see the face of the person. Like, you, her eyes pop through her mask, uh, which yeah. is pretty pretty awful. <laughs> yes, the pupils are bursting through to look at the criminal who killed Aunt Uncle Ben, just yeah. like an amazing fantasy 50. I also don't believe Luke C.J. Smith enjoys that either. This is a pretty unpopular uh, scene. <laughs> that being said, do we agree this was a better story? I liked it better, yes. Even with the bad costume and the fact that Peter's sort of uh, mansplaining her whole uh, existence, it's still a better yeah. story. He, yeah. Flash was, yeah. It's far more interesting to think about Betty being Spider-Man. I like the fact she quits. We don't... Yeah. I, actually, I like the fact that she quits and Peter turns back and looks at the costume inside the trash can. Because we know, you know, no matter what Peter says, you know, always being like, oh, I don't want to be Spider-Man. We, we have had plenty of evidence that proves that there is no way he wants to actually give up being Spider-Man. He loves he loves the job way too much. So that that, you know, turning back to look at the costume in the garbage can kind of reiterated Peter's love of being spider-man no matter how much drama it costs him so well let me do one more and then we'll talk about that sounds good the last one is our friend steve's favorite supporting character john jameson is bitten by the radioactive spider as was the case in the previous two stories peter yeah john obtains a spider again John's father, J. Jonah Jameson, learns of his son's new powers and immediately starts to endorse him in this paper and encourages him to be a crime fighter. The big change in the story is clearly that J. Jonah Jameson is fully supportive of his son and ultimately of all superheroes. John agrees with his dad, dons a costume, and gets a jetpack because he's got that connection to the whole uh, you know, Air Force and NASA and all that stuff. Um, like Flash Thompson, he does not develop web shooters 
uh, and won the Runaway Space Capsule, which in our universe was the one containing him back in the early issues, uh, falls to Earth. He relies solely on his jetpack to slow its descent instead of science. Uh, unfortunately, the pack is not strong enough to slow the capsule's fall, and he's crushed beneath it. J. Jonah Jameson honors his son with a statue. Eddie. Well, you know, I, 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 it's an interesting character to look at. And unfortunately for me, like Captain America is not my favorite. And John Jameson is kind of like the Captain America Spider-Man. So the idea here is, is not as interesting for me as it certainly as Betty. What, you got anything to say about it, James B.? You know, what if J. Jonah Jameson supported Spider-Man could have just been what this issue was trying to tell you. So, Actually, I was going to say that, too. He's much more altruistic. I mean, he's the one that says, go save the kid in the capsule to his son. Because not only is he super supportive of superheroes, but J. Jonah has a much more empathetic view of the world, I guess we could say. You know, he's sending John out to go do things and supporting him, too, to do those things. And at the end of the three stories... It is explained to the reader that no matter who was bitten by the spider, Peter Parker uses the spider that he picked up's remaining venom to develop a serum that grants him the Spider-Man powers. And he sort of becomes Spider-Man anyway. Cosmically faded. So that's how this ends. That's how uh, we're going to end today as well. Eddie, how can people find us? You can find us uh, by emailing us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or you can message or look for us at, let, at Let's Read Spidey on Twitter. Awesome. And this is James B. joined by Eddie. And remember, listeners, if you want to start a podcast about anything, whether it's reading Spider-Man or something that you enjoy, go ahead and do it. You never know if people will listen, and even if they don't, you'll still have fun doing it. Goodbye. Goodbye. I like in the the John Jameson that Jay Jonah keeps calling Peter Parker the wrong name. <laughs> <laughs> super Parker. <laughs> you get some good pics of my super sudden action. Pinker, you brought your camera, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> Mr. Packer, or whatever your name is. And he calls him Packer and Barker in back-to-back lines. So. Yeah, I like that part. <laughs>